Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to On The Prez. I'm your host, Alex Doherty of On The... Of what? Of, of what? Of A to Sports. And I'm here with Sean Smith and Eric Dune of On the Forecheck. We are here covering and talking about the NHL draft, specifically the Nashville Predators. Uh, Sean and Eric have been kind enough. Obviously, Sean's always kind, uh, and, and Eric's always kind, too, uh, to join us for this special episode talking about the draft. I think that if you've listened to the first two parts, you have learned probably more about the draft than uh, you knew before. I know that I have learned a lot. I know that the Predators are probably going to draft a tall Swiss defenseman uh, who we've named the Swiss Hammer. And uh, <laughs> Sean is nodding because he, he agrees that he's he's actually the he's the GM in this scenario. He's I've, gonna... I've, I've had a week. I've come up with some other nicknames. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll have to hear some of those. Um, but we wanted to spend this part three talking about the fine the. the everything after the first uh, round. Um, but let's do a quick breakdown. So the Predators do not have a second round pick that is because they traded to get Jeremy Lozon, who they just signed to a four-year deal. They have two third round picks, uh, their normal one, and then the one that they added by trading Victor Arvidsson. They have a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick. They have zero sixth round picks. They sent Matt Irwin and a sixth round pick to Anaheim for Corbini and Holzer. A couple years ago, <laughs> really <laughs> just looking back at that, I mean, <laughs> if you Good gave God. me 10 guesses to figure out why they don't have that six round pick, I would yeah. not have come up with that. I, I mean, I forgot about that trade, yeah, probably the next day. I yeah. forgot yeah. They traded for that guy. Um, and I always think about Corbini and Holzer. I think Corbini and Holzer sounds like a, a, a German beer, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, you know. Von Elrods has a really good Corbinian Holzer. <laughs> I had a few of those in college. <laughs> so, uh, and then they have a seventh round pick. So they have, uh, what is that? Five picks as of now, five Six. picks in the, in the, the rest oh, of the draft. Okay. Um, are there any other names that we could see late in the draft, Eric, that you think the Predators could pick and that maybe the Predators fans would be interested in hearing about? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always kind of a, you know, lottery ticket, both for the teams and in projecting, you know, where, where players are going to go. Um, although I will to my own horn and say, I, over the years, correctly guessed a few later round picks for the Preds, Ooh, uh, who, including my favorite. Right. Yusuf let's, Parson. Hear, let's hear it. Victory lap. Who did you, who did you uh, pick? Parson. Well, I, I pinned him as a potential fourth or fifth round pick for them. And I, I still cannot believe he fell to the seventh round. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. Um, Mark Del Gaizo and Semyon Chistikov, I did as well. Uh, I think those are the only three that are coming to mind at the moment. Um, yeah, those are the ones that I remember the most from the later rounds. 
Um, do, you, but, do, you, do you think you, you, uh, Parsonen, I mean, like, you, so you you saw this coming with his, like, kind of fast track. He's like, I mean, he's, he looks really good, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you saw that coming. Oh, I, 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 I'm not kidding when I say that it's inconceivable to me that he fell in the seventh round. I really don't get it. Uh, and I, I like the only thing I can figure out is that like teams didn't love his skating, which I get perfectly fine. But like, if it weren't for a concussion and COVID, this man was probably going to lead the Liga in scoring this past year. Um, mm -hmm. And he's great. He came over to Milwaukee in the playoffs. Immediately was probably the team's second best, third, second or third best forward in wow. that series. Um, I think he's he's really. Really a great player. So, well, that's interesting. Okay, all right. So, who is this year's Yusuf Parson? <laughs> um, probably they're getting harder to find. Um, a couple of names, though, I guess that that have stood out to me. Uh, these are maybe more in the mid rounds, the third and fourth. Uh, one player is uh, Vincent Rohr, who's uh, who plays for the Ottawa Sixty Sevens um, with with Jack Mentier in the OHL uh forward austrian so we're really focusing on central europe uh in this uh discussion tonight uh he's like childhood best friend of marco rossi too who reds fans will be seeing in minnesota for many years to come Wait, oh, so um, what was his name sorry go ahead vinzenz v-i-n-z-e-n-z -E -E and uh, his last name is roar r-o-h-r-e-r -E that is a fantastic name yeah uh He's great. I got to watch a lot of him this year while I was watching uh, Jack Matier games. Uh, I really like his game. He's uh, kind of on the shorter side, a little under six foot. Um, He's a string bean, like one sixty something. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. No, I'm not sure that's inaccurate. I would have to see what Central Scouting has him at. But okay, he, he seemingly picked up. He bulked up throughout the season. Um, okay, 20, 25 goals in his in sixty four games in his first OHL season, coming over from Switzerland. Um, he, uh, you know, he was going to be, I think, a difference maker for Austria at the World Juniors before they got canceled. But he's a really interesting player. I think he's really talented with the puck. Um, he's got good foot speed. I think he can be elusive, manipulative of defenders, um, not afraid to really get into the hard areas. Um, I think, you know, he's got a little bit more work to do in, in kind of connecting his passes and really like finalizing plays. But he never stops skating. Um, never stops throwing the puck to the net. Um, I think he's really on the verge. I think his, his OHL season next year could be really quite impressive. So excited about him. I think that could be a good pick there. Um, another guy uh, I, I'm kind of, I've kind of had my eyes on is, is Quinn Finley. Um, Quinn Finley, uh, American who plays for the Madison Capitals um, in, the, uh, in the USHL. Uh, he's going to the University of Wisconsin next year, um, about six foot. Uh, he's a really late birthday for this class, so one of the youngest players in this draft class. Um, his, his stats here aren't crazy, 29 points, 39 games. This is more of like a fifth, maybe seventh round pick. Um, but he is, um, he, is, he is really fast, you know, a really speedy player. Um, most importantly, he can carry he can carry the puck with you know at his top speed with pace. Um, you know, there's a good kind of connection between his hands and his feet in that regard. Um, similar to Roar, you know, the execution of the playmaking needs some work, but uh, I think that kind of just comes with 
you know, more ice time and, and more maturity. Um, you know, his defensive zone play is really nothing to write home about, but in the USHL with, I would say, less disciplined programs than like the Chicago Steel, that's not too uncommon, particularly for a younger player. Um, so he's an interesting guy who's going to take, you know, three, maybe four years in college, but like in the later rounds, that's fine. Sure. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll just throw in two more players uh, who I had mentioned to Sean before we started. Uh, and I say the first one because I do think that they will and should draft a goalie. Um, oh, okay. Not so much for the sake of like they need someone to, you know, be, uh, you know, the franchise goalie moving forward. But like you have to have guys playing in Milwaukee. You know, mm -hmm. the pipeline is thin, right? Askarov is, is over here now. They have Ethan Heider, who's still in college. Uh, they have technically still have Konstantin Volkov, who is not good and will never play in the NHL. Um, and uh, and uh, Askarov and then Thomas Vomajka in, in, in uh, the ECHL. Um, so one guy that, that I kind of like is, uh, is Hugo Havlet, uh, Swedish goalie, 5'10". Um, so, uh, a similar, uh, a short King like UC Saros, um, he is, I don't think he's the athlete Saros is, but, um, I think he's, he's technically a really sound goalie, very confident with his edges, very confident with his positioning. He was the best junior goalie in Sweden this year. Um, had some really crazy good performances, um, in, in international play. Um, and he has got a twin brother. Uh, named Matthias, who is a defenseman. Uh, I think Matthias Havlid may be uh, – yeah, I mean, he, for he is a first-round talent on my board, actually. Um, he's, he's a great skater, very effective puck mover. Uh, his mecha skating mechanics are really solid. He keeps his head up in transition. Um, you know, his, his gap control and rush defense needs some work, but really mobile – um, he's a good shooter. He gets pucks on net. He's got a solid or a shot, exciting player. The downside, the reason why I don't think he's going to go in the first round, the reason why I think he could fall to the third round is he's five foot nine. Um, and you don't see a lot of five foot nine defensemen make it to the NHL, but so those, those two are twin brothers and they were also born on new year's day. That's January, correct. January 1st. That's uh, and both under six feet. Uh, so they're Swedish. Yes, they are. So, okay. I kind of like this, though, because, number one, it would be cool for them to speak to each other in their secret twin language anyway, right? Because <laughs> you know they have one. Yeah. I wonder what secret twin language sounds like if you're from Sweden as opposed to America. Yeah. Draft, I mean, so if, if they draft one, you think they draft the other? Package like, deal. Like, probably not. Like, it may be, I mean, they could do it at 82 and 84, honestly. Um, so you think they're, do you think they're third rounders? Uh, so have the, the goalie's tough because he's not going to be the first goalie off the board. Um, so it really just depends on like whenever that first goalie goes, right? But probably like late second, early third, I would say. Um, Havlid, I mean, again, I think he's a first round player on like talent alone. Uh, it depends on like if you're one of these teams with like 10 draft picks, like the Blue Jackets or the Sabres, and you've taken like two maybe quote unquote safer players in the, you know, second, first and second rounds, like why not? Right. Um, mm -hmm. But Nashville hasn't shied away from drafting undersized defensemen, you know, Tishikov, Delgaizo, 
um, you know, even Ference isn't the tallest, um, Davies. So um, I think uh, it's interesting. This class has like a few defensemen who are really trying hard to like buck the trend of short defenders never making it to the NHL. And the like number one case study in this is Lane Hudson, who plays for the U.S. national team, who is an unbelievable hockey player, maybe one of the smartest players in this draft. He is also 5'8". Uh, and, um, I don't know how true this is, but I heard a story that he apparently brought like a doctor's note to the combine saying that he could throw to be five ten, five ten and a half. What? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love that honestly, but, um, That's crazy. A, lot of, a lot of undersized defensive in this class. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to be picked by someone. So we'll see. Uh, I one of those notes. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. That that's crazy. Five eight. Yeah, dude's tiny. <laughs> He's hey. so small. How big is How big is Kale McCarr? He feels little to me. Uh, I feel like he's like six foot. Is he okay? Uh, I mean, I just said that. I don't. He's five. He's five eleven. He's five eleven. Five eleven. Okay. It just feels like he he looks little because yeah. he looks like a little kid, you know. But but even like that's the thing with size these days, right? It's like. I think like Roman Yossi is like a good size player, but mm-hmm. he's not like huge by any means, no. right? So, no. yeah, Matthias Ekholm is basically like, I mean, when you when you look at that locker room, the the, the Predators locker room now, it's like Matthias Ekholm is just like very clearly. I mean, I guess I, I haven't really seen the locker room with um, some of the newer guys in it, but like for, for a long time, it was like Matias Ekholm was like clearing away the biggest dude in the locker room, except for Pecorine. Like skater wise, it was like, like Ekholm just towered over everyone. And he's like six, four. Yeah. Maybe. Well, and it's like, Alex, you're forgetting a key part of the Nashville Predators playoff roster, which is Michael McCarron. Yes. Michael McCarron, <laughs> six giant, giant. Uh, ben Harper's pretty big too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, but to, to go to your point of size, it's like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's so much more than just that. I mean, I, it, size is an important thing, place to start. Like, I mean, you, you want to like kind of know what you're, what you're looking at, but um, I, I wouldn't even really know where to rank size in terms of the draft prospects. Like I, it seems to me that you'd want to rank how their skating ability first and be like, yeah. can, can this, can this kid move up and down the ice quicker than most? If the answer is no, it's like, okay, is he big? No. All right. Well, maybe you're not going to be a draft pick for us because you can't move and you're not big. But maybe I, I'm not the GM here. Sean's yeah. the GM. So it's, it's, what's, what's more important to you, Sean, size or speed? Size. Size matters. Okay. Oh, you want, you want an impressive specimen. Sorry. Okay. it's You got to, you know, if you show up on the ice and you're just like, you know, it looks like you brought a bunch of uh, little dogs out there to bark at somebody. You need somebody that's going to show up and be like, no, I'm the big dog on the ice and I'm going to bite, <laughs> not just bark. Sometimes I wonder if, uh, I mean, I, I really would love to hear what they talk about when these draft rooms, but I wonder if, if they even talk about things like, are, are, do you think that they're talking about things in as much detail as, as, as like you do, or as, as people who are really into yeah. the draft coverage? So I have a theory about this. Uh, I, I think some are, 
like I think the Pred scouting staff is like largely actually really smart. Uh, they mm-hmm. obviously like don't always like hit, but like compared to some other teams, I think they do a, a good job. Um, but like I, I definitely think it maybe we're moving away from this, but there are some like draft rooms where they're just like, wow, like look at the size on this lad. And like, that's the only thing that's like the only commentary they have. Right. Like, you know, uh, a lot of these guys, it's like, they're all, they've all been in this business for a while. Right. So like a lot of their evaluations are intuitive. They don't need to explain to David Poyle, like, Oh, like his knee bend is at the correct, you know, whatever it's like, look, can he skate at the NHL level or not? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so but I do think they that front offices are, are prone to getting caught up in just like general, you know, trends, um, you know, kind of like standout qualities. Um, but, you know, maybe we're we're like kind of trading that in. Like last year was a really interesting year. Like Mason Tavish, who is not like a particularly good skater, went like top five because he's just an incredible goal scorer. Right. And he looks like he's going to be a good NHL player, you know, so. Um, I think teams maybe now are just thinking like, look, we can fix skating, but you know, if you're like an elite goal scorer, when you're a bad skater, like just think yeah. what happens when, you know, it, it seems like the, in any NHL front office that isn't looking at as much detail as they can, um, you know, like, I, I mean, I make fun of the charts people, but it, it, it is important. And it's important to look yeah. at the look at details because like the margins in between a NHL caliber, just caliber player, but like, let alone an elite player, the margin between those players is like some, some of the slimmest margins, like just, just one small thing that they can do that the other guy can't makes them an elite talent. And it's like, whether it comes down to their skating or, their quickness with their shot or their power of their shot and where that comes from. And like, like you've talked about like their knee bend and like there's their stride, like all these things like kind of add up. And if you, if you miss on like, if you misidentify two or three key things on a player, it's the difference between drafting, uh, uh, making a horrible draft pick at, in the top five and, and the guy never plays and nailing, uh, you know, a late pick and getting a huge player like, like the use Parson or whatever. Yeah. So, it seems like these margins are so small and you have to pay attention to the details because you'll, otherwise you'll miss on like all of them. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, like I, the, I think you constantly have to remind yourself of, and I do when I'm watching all these players is like, it's the difference between like an NHL average skater is still like an elite level skater, mm-hmm. like in the grand scheme of things. Right. Like, you know, you look at someone like Colton Sissons, right, who I think is a very average NHL skater, right? He's still, like, unbalanced with everyone else, an incredible skater, right? So yeah. if you look at a guy, like, in the OHL and you're like, man, he's a good skater, has okay separation, you know, speed, you you really have to remind yourself, like, okay, but is an okay skater in the OHL a below-average skater in the NHL? Like, the, the learning curve is so steep, and I think it's getting steeper because the league's getting more fast, more skilled, all those things. So that's what you have to remind yourself of, right? Like you can watch a guy, you know, play in like the junior circuit in Finland and he's a good skater, right? But how much of of those separating skills at that level get taken away in the AHL or the NHL or wherever? So like, so Sean, you you see a lot of skilled skating at the, uh, at your son's hockey, right? I mean, like, yeah, the different... (laughs) (laughs) 
And I mean, I know I see it. I, I mean, this is obviously a different comparison because we're talking about totally different levels of hockey, but the, it's very clear to me, and I'm sure it's clear to you, that like a player that can skate is worlds better than one that cannot, or at least one that can do it well versus one that cannot. Not just because of like that they can they can handle the puck better or they can do something with the puck while they're skating, but like I mean, they just they have a do- a different. It's like they're playing on a different level of 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 the game. Like they're they're playing. Well, there's no there's no comparison really, but I mean, I, I think thing, it's an important part. At even at even at a young age, you know, seven years old, for example, just just picking a number out of the air. At seven years old, kids that can skate, you know. <laughs> It, you say it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with puck handling or anything but but the ability to get separation and create space for yourself actually does have an impact on that yeah. and so when you're when you're a good skater you can get out of situations when you're a fast skater who's good it, yeah. it allows you to have the room to to make the magic happen i yeah. guess yeah. if you will yeah. um and you see that i mean i see that on the ice with the seven-year-olds so I know it's got to be true at every level. I mean, look yeah. at Connor McDavid, for God's sake, right? Yeah. I mean, it also makes everything else easier, right? Like a player that comes to mind, kind of to your point, Sean, like, yeah, if you're a good skater, you have that separation speed, but also you're focusing on less things, right? Um, you know, the re- one of the reasons Connor McDavid is just like automatic with the puck is because he does not think about his skating at all. Like yeah. not once, right? He doesn't think about, you know, does he have a proper knee bend? Is his head chest up? Is his head up? You know, he doesn't even think about a stick handle. Like that's how good of a stick handler he is, you know? So like a player that kind of comes to mind in this sense, and this could be a good segue is like Igor Afanasiev, right? Who mm-hmm. I think is a decent skater mechanically, but he doesn't have great foot speed. His accelerating steps a little slow. And in that case, he really struggles to get separation and that slows down everything else, right? So all of a sudden you're focusing on skating a lot forces you to dump the puck in more than you want instead of carrying it in right and then because you're dumping it in you're not getting to high danger areas to get high danger shots off right and you're doing a lot of perimeter shots and all this stuff so it's like a cascading effect right uh which i think is important yeah i I do want to talk about him and and maybe some other potential um players currently on the predators not necessarily draft picks by the way just to wrap up the list of that you that you gave us there's a lot of really good options i mean You've sold us again on some 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 Swedish guys, the, the Havlid twins. Like I'm rooting for it. I, I want that to happen. Um, uh, Hugo and Matthias, is that right? That's right. Is it Havlid or Havlid? Uh, I think Havlid. Havlid. Okay. And then I like the Quinn Finley pick too. Yeah. I like that. I like that speed speedy guy and a cool name, Quinn yeah. Quinn Finley. Um, okay, so. Th- to, to wrap all this up, we are going to talk about next season uh, for the Nashville Predators and potentially some prospects or recent draft picks that uh, we think could have an impact on the season. Uh, we're all going to kind of uh, talk a little bit about that. Before we do that, one quick note about Relax the Back. Uh, if you want to work better, live better, feel better every day, you've got to check out Relax the Back. Sean knows all about it. I you do. sleep well. You live well. There are so many options for customized comfort when you sleep, work, and just relax at home at Relax the Back, which, by the way, is at 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. Um, you got to go check out the store. Just walk in there. Tell them you're having some some pain issues or you're just not resting well at night. They will hook you up, and they'll talk to you about all their options. A sleep agent is on hand every day to check out. Uh, ways of which you can sleep better, resolve any pain issues. Um, but they're also about recovery too, not just about sleep. 
Uh, if you're recovering from an injury, a uh, sports thing that you've got, massage chairs, recliners, all that kind of stuff, they have they have some really nice massage chairs there that are just like, will blow your mind. You can sit in them, try them out. Um, they do all kinds of cool things. They feel fantastic. Um, but anyways, go check it out. Four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. Okay, so one player let's 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 i don't want to limit you to one so just any number of players from one to ten <laughs> don't give me ten players yeah, I won't. uh that uh, sort of maybe a prospect or a draft pick recent draft pick uh on the national predators that you think could have an impact on this next season Let's go ahead and take a couple names off the list because we already know they're going to be there. Philip Tomasino, I think he's probably he's already there. I mean, that's probably us. And I'm going to go ahead and remove Cody Glass from the situation because I think it's pretty clear he's going to be around in Nashville next year. Uh, maybe he starts in Milwaukee. I don't know why he would, but uh, I think he probably is in Nashville. So not Co Tomasino, not Cody Glass, but I'm going to leave the rest of it pretty much wide open. Um, and Eric, we'll start with you. So, what do you what do you think uh who do you think could contribute next year well i think you missed another one to take out the list which is connor ingram uh who is oh okay ostensibly yeah. going to be stars backup fair enough yeah connor ingram probably in nashville yeah um yeah i mean beyond that um a player that i have a questions on i guess is, is tommy novak um you know he started the year in nashville last year got sent down to milwaukee uh had some COVID issues, kind of took a minute to, to get back his game, uh, but he did uh, ultimately and, and was really good for the Admirals down the stretch. Um, kind of that's the two center behind Cody Glass. Um, you're starting to kind of question like, okay, where does he fit in the organization, right? Like Michael McCarron's under contract for another year. Um, I think Olivier is like an RFA. Um, you know, Class is presumably going to start in Nashville. You know, they hinted that they're willing to spend in free agency. So, like, does Tommy Novak start in Nashville? If he starts another year in Milwaukee, you know, is that kind of it? Like, is this going to end up being another Rem Pitlick situation? You know, whatever, right? Um, I think Tommy Novak worked really hard to get where he is, particularly from, um, you know, his, his debilitating injuries in college and not even getting an NHL contract after graduating. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see the camp he has, but uh, okay, the, I you've you've nailed a, a particular uh, like pressure point for I think a lot of people relating yeah. to Tommy Novak, and it is so bizarre to me what happened with him. And I, there's just one part of it that is also like seems like there's a there's a uh, inconsistency with the Tommy Novak thing. Do you know what they they have his jerseys in the Preds team store? Interesting. There's Tommy Novak jerseys. Novak. Of whatever his number was, I can't even remember his number. Eighty-two, eighty-two. In in the pre I mean, obviously they have other players that are that are not really playing, but like for a prospect to have like jerseys in the team store is pretty not not that yeah. common. I mean, like there have to be a pretty big name. Um, seems to me that like maybe some part of the organization thought Novak would be part of the team more, and the coaching staff felt otherwise. Just seems like a. Two things not meeting there. I don't know. Am I, think, yeah. am I overthinking it? <laughs> I mean, he did play like, what, like 20-something, 25 games in Nashville this year? Yeah, like and, then he got, and then he got COVID, and then yeah. he went down and never came back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just like, my, you know, my pressure point is this, 
organization's insistence on playing Michael McCarron any amount of time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a that's a bad move. Yeah, <laughs> particularly tall. Yeah, well, like when you have to call up Matthew Olivier to play against the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs, you just oh, got to do it. That was bad. That was really <laughs> bad. Three games he played. Um, yeah, Tomatino played three games. Yeah, they played well, equal number of games against the Colorado Avalanche. As did uh, Ellie Tolvanen, correct? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Novak. I mean, again, who knows? Maybe McCarron starts the year in, in Milwaukee, or, or they eventually kind of like hit the Ben Harper point with him, where they're like, okay, we we actually get it. He's bad. Which like I feel like in the playoffs did kind of happen. Like he got benched after his like ninety eighth penalty of the series, and yeah. we we're like, okay, maybe they're learning. So Tommy Novak's the big question mark for me. I guess the other one's kind of Jeremy Davies. Depends on what the defensive lineup looks like, but mm-hmm. my idea here is that you've got Lozon, Borowiecki, and Davies kind of rotating into that sixth spot. Um, so we'll see there. Um, those are kind of the bubble guys. I yeah. guess, um, you know, there's two other names that stand out to me, and these guys are going to be full well, let's, oh, let's, let's get Let's get Sean. Let's get yeah. Sean to get this, because I, I have one in mind, and my mind might be one of yours. But, Sean, right. what do you think? Do you think who, who of the of – the, prospect level kind of guys do you think could make an impact next year do you have any in mind let's define impact what do you mean like play a significant number of minutes or do you mean Um, like set the world on fire fair fair question i i i would say come up for more than just like their debut and then go back like I mean, for so like if I don't know if Grant Mismash comes up and gets his debut, uh, we're really having issues then. Yeah, <laughs> seems down bad if Grant Mismash is going to He gets a date. I mean, you know, I'm just that was just a name, but like he gets a debut and then come and then plays yeah. two games and then goes back to Milwaukee. Like I wouldn't call that an impact, but like maybe comes up, plays okay, you know, the better part of well, a month. I mean, I don't know. Okay, so Davies, you know, he's already made his de- debut, of course, but. Um, similar to what Eric said, I, I can see a situation where he's rotating into that third pairing. Um, but if you have some kind of injury to somebody a little higher up defensively, I think he fills in very nicely on either the first or second pairing. We've seen yeah. him do it before. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of upside to keeping him on the roster um, to play on the third pairing, but you know, and, and hope for the best. But if you do have injuries, which as we've seen with this style of hockey that the team's playing right now, um, they do tend to crop up. You know, he's going to be a great person to plug in on the first or second pairing as well. So I think he's definitely one that can come in and, and have an impact. It may not be like, you know, it may not be setting the world on fire, but I, I could see him being a, you know, on the roster for the entirety of the season. In fact, I'd, I'd hope that was the situation mm. um, unless they, unless Poyle goes out in free agency and does something, you know, no one can predict. But um, I feel like you've got a player that's proven that he can play significant minutes on the team, and he's definitely earned that. So maybe at the price point you're looking at for Davies, that's who you want doing it, as opposed to going out and paying big money for someone who um, can do essentially what Davies can do. Um, That's that's where I'd look. Yeah, that's where I'd look to, to for okay. a player that could make the biggest impact. I might, I mean, I don't know. I I don't again want to make it seem like I know a bunch of stuff. 
but I'm curious and I want to know what Eric thinks about this because I'm sure he can probably, you know, he's either going to immediately shake his head no and be like, just stop or, or he'll be like, maybe and give me one of those. But is there a chance that we see Afanasiev come up and play in, in, in gold this season? Um, I think there's a chance, a lot better chance than Grant Mismatch. I'll tell you that. Um, but I, I, I mean, it depends. It always depends on, on the summer he has and, and the camp he has. Uh, he's, I don't think he's going to make the team by any means unless something crazy happens. But um, within, with injuries, I think it's certainly a chance. Um, you know, I think he had an up and down first year in Milwaukee. Um, and the thing you really want to see from him right now, which I kind of mentioned already, it's, I think, going to unlock a lot more layers to his game. It's just really hammering his work on his foot speed and uh, using his body to protect the puck more because it's something he struggled with a lot in the AHL this year. So I think there's a chance. Um, I wouldn't say he's like – I think that could be maybe more of like a debut and go back kind of situation, but there's no shame in that. His second-round pick, he's played one year in the AHL. So, um, yeah. Okay, so so mine was actually probably going to be Afanasiev. Just curious about your take on that, but I'm really now curious about Parsonen, and then is Larue? Larue wouldn't even be he couldn't come up. Yeah. Could he? Well, he could play in Nashville, but he couldn't play in Milwaukee. Next okay, week. okay. Um, so wh- what about Parsonen? Do, do you think yeah. there's a chance? Oh, if I I don't know where you'd find these odds, but I would put like five hundred dollars on him making his NHL debut this year uh right now ah. if i could uh <laughs> interesting okay yeah i mean like i've been riding the use parson hype train for i've been conducting it actually for yeah okay. a few years now uh i i mean i love this player i think uh if anyone watched the admirals in the playoffs this year or any of his games in finland and whenever this next season comes same thing immediately you'll fall in love with them too um he, you know, the thing that stands out to him from him, not in like a necessarily good way, is his skating. It's very like clearly kind of wonky. It's not bad per se. Um, the thing about him is he, and I kind of hate this whole idea of like the compete level and whatever, but like he works like crazy on the ice. And it's so obvious every shift. I mean, uh-huh. stops and starts, you know, never does these wide turns, chases after every puck. He's physical. He's got good hands for his size. He's a great center, very defensively responsible. Uh, he's not going to be like a, you know, a, he's not going to score a ton of beautiful goals, although he does have some mix in here and there, but he just digs for every puck and fights every battle. Uh, and he's really great. And look, he came over to Milwaukee in the spring for the playoffs. And they said, I think Scott Ford said, they like weren't planning on on really like playing him that much. Some folks had some illnesses. He drew into the lineup, and they immediately were like, we can't take this kid out. Um, and that's wow. after he, by the way, had COVID this year, which my understanding is he would, got hit really bad with COVID. A, oh, wow. and B, he, in the play, uh, in, towards the end of the regular season over in Finland, um, he got lit up by a hit to the head at open ice, like just straight head contact, was mm. knocked completely out, got a concussion, does not remember any of it. Uh, missed some time with that. Uh, so he's been through all that, played a whole Liga season. His team went to the Liga Championship Series and lost. And then he came over uh, and was playing in the playoffs with Milwaukee. So really excited about him for a seventh-round pick. 
uh, I think the Preds found a gem here. And they just signed his line mate uh, over from Finland, Marcus Nurmi. He's going to come over and play with him in Milwaukee. Um, so, yeah, uh, my, my, I kind of chatted with some few folks over there in Finland about him. And, and the impression I get uh, is he is just like, uh, you know, like the memes about like Nathan McKinnon, like not letting his teammates like eat, like he's not that, like he's not that kind of like crazy, but he is just like, I will do anything it takes to like be at the top of my game and improve. And like, wow. yeah, so really excited about him. I think he's going to have a great year in Milwaukee. He's probably going to come up when there's an injury or two and uh, take it from there. Sean, you have a question. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just went back because I, I had this image in my head of what he looked like from the draft. And I remember him being a, a wisp of a young man, but it seems like he's really grown into his body over the yeah. past few seasons. And, uh, you know, I know that you were already pretty high on him to begin with, but how much more, I guess, you know, how much more of a threat does that make him to be someone that can contend at the NHL level? Yeah. Well, I think one of his real, really good fundamental skills is his puck protection. Um, he's got a great frame, 6'2", he's a little over 200 pounds. Um, he really knows how to protect the puck from defenders, using his body um, to kind of to, to, to buy some more space in the offensive zone, to work off defenders, to, 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 to play his passes off of them and, and really find those, those good passing lanes. Um, and I think that's such a valuable skill at the NHL where, where level where guys are stronger, guys are bigger. Um, you know, he's never going to be the fastest skater on the ice, but um, if he can get into a puck battle, uh, you know, famously when Zach LaRue was drafted, he said that he was asked, why should you draft me? And he said, because if I go into a corner and a 50-50 puck yeah. battle, I'm going to come out with it, yeah. which is uh, statistically not true, but uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> um Yusuf Parsonen almost always comes out with it. And if he doesn't, he is on that guy's tail until he does. Like, it's incredible. This guy never stops. And uh, and that's, like, it's just clear there's, like, this drive in him to, like, get to the next level uh, that has, has yet to die down. So really excited about it. Wow. I mean, you are full bore oh, yeah. driving that train, the Yusuf Parsonen hype train. And... I, I I mean, I I want a ticket. I I've got to get on that train. I mean, like that's you have that definitely sold sold it to 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 me that they they need to probably find a way to to work that guy in the lineup. And and then also like it sounds like all those all those things you listed about him are all like John Hines check marks. I mean, like compete level, battle, you know, playing the game the right way, like not not you know not giving up on 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 a play i mean it seems like I, I don't know anything about his what his role could be like i mean when when i think about what the way john hines likes to just like kind of pigeonhole certain players into his roles like i i'm wondering if maybe he would get pigeonholed into some role that doesn't work for him but it sounds like he's the kind of player yeah. that would like um would kind of rise above that and and maybe maybe fight in other ways to show that he's really good and and can yeah. sounds can, like like another version of Tanner Janot, uh, in that drive to, to, you know, <laughs> get to the next level. But, mm -hmm. you know, another, another stat, you know, you mentioned the style of player that John Hines likes. I mean, he's a plus three in the inches above six feet category. So, um, you know, that's, that's big right now. So plus three inches above expected yeah. <laughs> centimeters above the ground. 
I'm telling you, that's a that it matters. I mean, it's gotten yeah. McCarron a lot of playing time. So I, Sean, I feel Cole like you Smith too. Cole Smith's got a lot yeah. of playing time out of that. Yeah, Sean, I feel like you'd like this story. I, I don't, I don't know how true this is, but I was told that. So his dad, Yusuf Parsons' dad, was like a pro player in Finland for a really long time, and um, apparently his dad was known for having his hockey pants like custom made because his thighs were so big that they wouldn't fit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I do like that, that story. That's good. Yeah. So he's someone I'm really excited about. And then another name I'll throw in there. This may be just more of a call up, but I'm really interested to see the camp he has. And that's um, Adam Willsby, who um, Swedish mm. defender took a couple years ago as an overager. Um, he signed his entry level contract here recently, um, came over to join the Admirals. Didn't he only did play in the playoffs a little bit, but not that much. Um, he is. Man, if you want to watch someone who's like a technically like beautiful skater, he is incredible to watch. And it's really interesting because I think one of the big hits on him in his draft year and why he wasn't taken is he wasn't a great skater. And he really has done a 180 on that. Um, if you watch his SHL tape from the past couple of years, uh, I mean, he loves to fly up the ice with the puck. Great skater, very fluid stride, had, his head's up. His offensive numbers were good. They weren't great. They weren't like amazing. But like two years ago, he was getting more playing time than Philip Broberg on the same team, who was the Oilers' eighth overall pick. Mm. Um, you know, in in the draft before that, uh, played alongside Predators legend Petter Granberg last year yeah. in Sweden. So there you go. obviously, full marks for that. Um, interested to see uh, to see what he does this year. And um, I will leave with this. One last player, since Yusuf okay. Parson has matriculated from my, he's in a, he's a professional now. The next Yusuf Parson in, uh, in the organization is uh, is not going to make an impact next year, but Ryan Ifko, um, who five uh, ten defender, Preds took him last year in the fourth round. Uh, plays at UMass, where Mark Delgado went, where Kale McCarr went, uh, where Zach Jones went. And he is become, quietly becoming a defenseman factory up in uh, Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, he was a little overshadowed by his other freshman teammate this year, Scott Morrow, who's a Hurricanes prospect, um, but like was equally as good. Um, he scored 31 points in 37 games as a freshman. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, playing like mostly second pair minutes too. Um, and he was on the power play, but not the first unit all the time. Um, incredibly smart player, not the biggest, moves the puck very well, rarely makes a mistake. Um, I'm really excited about him. He'll probably have a couple other, a couple more years at UMass, but I think the Preds have, have found another good prospect in him. Ryan Ufko. I recall he had a good, a good, uh, game, good showing at the prospects game. I want to say I was there covering that. I remember that name standing out to me. Okay. There you go. Those are great. I mean, like that's the, that's probably the best. Like, inst. I mean, for for a snapshot of right now, where the Predators are at in terms of their prospect availability for the in the in the immediate future. You know, like we're if we're not thinking about you know where is Askarov going to be in three years? What's what's going to happen with you know Zach Larue? What's going to happen with uh, Evangelista, for example? Who obviously I don't think we'll see him next year. Um, well, I don't know. Do, do we? Will we? Probably not. Right? Uh, I mean, if there's a lot of injuries, maybe, but yeah. probably not. 
but like th those kind of more long-term guys, like the 19 and 20 year olds, like these guys are a little bit more like we could potentially see them. And, and I, I think that's, that's interesting. And I, I, I'm, I'm particularly excited about the Parson and thing. I, I think that um, the idea of him kind of coming up and being, um, I mean, you, you, you said the Tanner Janot thing. I don't know if that's a good comparison or not, but I, that, that is the kind of like path that I think works for this franchise right now is a guy that comes up and just proves his worth on the ice immediately, not necessarily in scoring goals, but like, you know, just in, in his, in his work ethic. So um, seems like a thing that John Hines likes. So, all right. Um, that is, that's going to wrap it up. I mean, this has been very informative for me, hopefully for the the listeners as well. Uh, Eric, I really can't thank you enough for, for joining us. I mean, it's been awesome. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I, Love talking about uh, prospects in the draft. So anytime. Yeah, and we'll have um, obviously the the draft when the draft happens. We'll obviously be able to dissect a lot of you know what happens or what doesn't happen if they trade trade all their picks away or whatever happens with that. We'll uh, hopefully be able to know a little bit more about what's going to happen with free agency, which is a few days later, and that's going to be his whole thing. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, Sean, any last final final words here? Any final thoughts? Well, I, I just want to thank Eric for coming back week after week. I mean, it's a big commitment to do this three weeks in a row. So, you know, it, it says a lot about how much he cares about prospects. It says a lot about how much he, he cares about, you know, creating good Predators content in general. And I just he's somebody that I've worked with now for going on five years. Um, always dependable, always delivers above and beyond what you could reasonably expect someone to do. And uh, I'm telling you, the fact that a team has not hired him to do this is incredible. And in the moment that I'm the general manager, he'll be mm -hmm. my first hire. I, I say that before, I said it, I'll say it again, I'll continue to say it as long as he's in the prospects game. But an absolute, I don't know, just I don't think there is anyone out there that I trust more with prospects than, than Eric Dunan. There you go. Oh, thank you, Sean. I was waiting for you to say I was a pleasure to have in class, or in this case, a pleasure to have in Slack. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can follow Eric and all the coverage uh, at On The Future, right? On The Future OTF is how the handle Yeah, is. that's it. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, follow Sean on, at SCSOTF. Follow me at AlexRD1, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>